Welcome back to the Vanilla's Love Podcast. And this is our series, Wellness Wednesday. And so we are going to talk about some different wellness tips, especially as it relates to Valentine's Day, which is when this podcast is going to be released. Um, so I want to invite Dr. Robert Pulliam, who's my forever Valentine, I, I hope, to <laughs> be a part of this conversation. Dr. Robert Pulliam, tell everybody about yourself a little bit, what, who you are, what you do. Uh, well, my name's Robert Pulliam. I'm better known as Dr. Shomo's husband, uh, but I'm a uh, psychiatrist and a family doctor, um, and I spend most of my time either being a doctor or finding stuff to do at home, trying to be well. Yeah. Yeah, so this year I've been talking about this idea of like coping and wellness, so I feel like we do a lot of coping and wellness like hobbies and trying to stay out of trouble so that's good that's the whole idea of coping and wellness yeah because people can get into a lot of trouble doing all types of stuff you know so and that's honestly you know like why what our jobs are really about is trying to help people navigate a lot of different um physical problems they have from not coping the best with different stressors they have in their life so I guess I'll tell everybody what I do if people don't know me. So um, Dr. Nisa Shomo, also known as Dr. Pulliam's wife. I'm a family medicine physician. Um, live here in Cincinnati and I've been here about 14 years. And so do a lot of community work as well. So this is part of my community work as far as just trying to help educate people about their body and their mental health. Um, and I'll do lots of other stuff too. So, all right. So let's, you know, kind of get into this conversation for today. So the theme of today is uh, treat yourself like someone you love. So that's going to be the title of this episode. And what's interesting about that, because uh, I was looking through like different quotes of, um, you know, or different like sayings of, as far as like trying to get some ideas about what exactly I wanted to say. Um, and because the whole point of it was like prioritizing yourself. And that one stuck with me because um, people often would take care of other people better than they take care of themselves. Uh, and that goes for like physicians, nurses, uh, parents, children. Um, so, and the work that we do, we see it all the time where people, you know, I've had, you know, patients who were so busy caregiving, they forgot to get their mammograms. Um, and then they come back and have breast cancer, caught it, you know, maybe stage two or stage three that could have been caught at stage one, but they were so busy taking care of their loved ones that they kind of put themselves um, in the backseat. Um, so tell me, so what's it like, so why do you think that people do that? Why do you think that people kind of look at other people and, and prioritize them, them over themselves? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I imagine it's probably a complicated thing. It's probably multifactorial. So I would think that one is, it's sort of like, um, if you're taking care of somebody else, there's almost like this immediate satisfaction, right? Like there's this, you're taking care of somebody who's in front of you and you, you help them by doing some task. And then there's some immediate like satisfaction with that. Um, I think the other thing too, is it's, it's much easier 
when you take care of somebody else, it's easier to break things up in like small little chunks. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you take care of yourself, you kind of have to view it in like the long run. Like there's no immediate gratification for doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself. And so I don't want to, I say, I don't want to say it's easier to take care of other people, but it's, you get more immediate uh, reward for taking care of someone else, even though if it's not benefiting you at all. Yeah. So like kind of like the dopamine reward system. Yeah. Like the dopamine reward system, you know, maybe rewards taking care of others or, you know, just in the short term, it seems that way, especially if people aren't doing that on a regular basis. So for me, I know that I have to take care of myself in order to take care of other people. So I generally do feel a lot of dopamine, like release when I run or exercise. Um, But I think that for some people, they just once you do it regularly, you kind of get in the habit. It's like a slower, like a slower process but so what you're saying is when you do it for others it might be a like a bigger like burst of dopamine not really like a big maybe it's a bigger but more immediate it's just like there's not sometimes when you do things to take care of yourself there's not that immediate reward like it's something that has to happen over the course of months or years or whatever whereas like when you do something for somebody else it's like right then and there immediately you get some kind of reward or some kind of emotion that makes you feel good and yeah. whatever yeah so yeah i'm sure there's a lot of neurochemistry that goes into it um and i talk to people about like you know what's interesting so i talk a lot about like uh, happiness and what makes people happy and how sometimes the things that make people happy can make them unhappy because a lot of people who are kind of in that category of taking care of others before they take care of themselves can be workaholics so they may be workaholics when it comes to working like a lot of doctors nurses uh, but some people can be um, workaholics just at home too, like people who are caregivers. And so they just kind of think of it as work it has to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that, but you know, the biggest thing is people have to learn how to put boundaries around it. Like, like I know that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, not often work like 12 hour days. And so I generally don't schedule anything else on those days. And I, when I come home, I try to go to sleep um, as soon as I can to not, um, Cause it's just a long, it's just a long day, you know. Um, so and I and I only do it like twice, like two two times a week. So I don't know how people. Some people do it three times a week, like a lot of my colleagues do it three times a week. Um, but they actually have um, they only work three days a week. Like a lot of nurses only work. Um, a lot of doctors and nurses work like three to twelve hour shifts basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I work pretty much every day, so it's hard for me to do um the twelve hour shifts more than twice a week. Um, and I'm actually gonna stop doing that, like um. This spring, I'm gonna just cut down to just one 12 hour day because I'm gonna be 40. So I think I'm getting too old for that. Okay. <laughs> 40s old now. No, I mean, honestly, 40 is old, but I think that what's interesting sometimes about this country, especially like as somebody who takes care of older adults as a geriatrician, like I, people can be very, like, I don't know, stubborn in, the, in their aging. And that they're trying to like sometimes people when they're like I have I have patients who are like in their sixties trying to work like overnight shifts mm-hmm. and their blood pressure is high and all this sort of thing it's just like you're not twenty anymore you're not thirty anymore like when you are a certain age like there are certain things that just are not good for your health you know so what kind of things do you see with your you know clients or just in or even like your colleagues as far as trying to work on setting boundaries and trying to um trying to kind of break that cycle of taking care of people taking care of others wanting to take care of themselves 
I'm not sure. What do you mean? Like, so, I mean, in terms of like patients, I know one of the things that a lot of the people that I take care of, what they are, you know, what they say is like, they don't have time. So they're, they don't have time to take care of themselves. Like they have kids, they've got a job, they've got, and um, they don't, first of all, they don't recognize like all the gaps in time that they have, like in between each of these tasks, but then also it's, they sort of overinflate like the stuff that they feel like they have to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, like a lot of people have kids, like obviously having kids is very difficult. Like they take up a lot of time, but there's a lot of downtime when you're with your kids. And not only that, like kids just want to be with you. Mm-hmm. So like if you take your kids to your workout room and work out with them, they'll be happy to be around you. Mm-hmm while you're working out and it's teaching them a lot, you know, it's teaching them a life lesson about how important it is to take care of your body. If, for example, you take your kids to work out with you, but like, even if that said, like a lot of kids would go to bed at like eight, nine o'clock at night that leaves, like how many hours are you awake before you go to bed after you put your kids to bed or the time between when you get home from work and when, you know, you're, you have some planned activity with your family or whatever. So, I mean, I, I feel like the, the biggest excuse is I don't have enough time. But then when you like, you know, pinpoint, like, what are you doing through each minute of your day? There's a lot of time that's available that, especially if you think about it in terms of, well, you only need like 20 minutes. You don't need right. two hours right. to, yeah. and to I think, affect a healthy habit. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest, like, I don't know. In America, I just feel like so much we can be like all or nothing. Like either you're working out for an hour every day or not at all. So I think that I try to get like, I try to get my patients to like, just start small, like, you know, like just add one day. And once you get good at that, and I tell people, you know, 23 minutes. I do that. I, I tell them everyone, for me personally, yeah. like I tell them, all right, I'm going to do 15 minutes. Yeah. That's it. If I can just motivate myself to 15 minutes of like physical activity, usually it always turns into more right. than 15 minutes because then you start moving, you feel better, and you're like, oh, this feels great. So it turns into more than 15 minutes. But, like, to get myself in the mood to start, I'm just like, all right, let's just do – let's just put these shorts on and then do 10 or 15 minutes. And then it turns into, like, half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. Well, yeah, so that's the thing. It's still the same idea of just start small because, mm-hmm. you know, like, people try to, you know, plan – an hour or two hours. And that's why I like working out at home because it is more time to go to the gym. You have to drive there and all that sort of stuff. So I prefer to try to exercise close, either like at the park close to where we live or um, at home. Like sometimes I just jump rope. Like sometimes I just jump rope in the living room. Go <laughs> off like while I'm watching TV or yeah. walking around the couch. So, you know, there's different ways to get it in. And obviously, like, you know, I could jump over a living room because we don't have, um, number one, we have space. So I know that's a privilege. But the other pieces we have, if you have carpet, then it's hard to do that. But you can march in place. You can dance. Like, dancing is actually a really great workout that you don't need any money for. You don't need a lot of space for. A lot of people enjoy dancing, um, but people really forget about it. Like, it's not something that is part of people's daily you know, checklist, checklist to to do list, dance today, you know. Mm-hmm. But that honestly is a lot of people dance every day and like people are probably probably feel a lot better. Yeah. So okay. So as far as just you know people talking about time and of course like 
obviously there are different levels of busyness when you have like a newborn baby or something like that or you have a family member who has um, dementia or that sort of stuff but the biggest thing I tell people about like those very very busy times when they when they may just be very much in survival mode trying to just eat and sleep um that they should hopefully have some kind of support system where they can take like you know a little bit of time for themselves um even if it's just one day even if it's just like a few hours one day a week where somebody could come and help with whatever it is um that you need help with as far as uh caregiving because i think that's the other big thing a lot of like caregivers a lot of caregivers like never get a day off yeah and so trying to ask for help, like that's a big thing in America that people have a hard time asking for help from their support network. And the other big thing a lot of people say is they don't have a support network. So it's, it's important for people to go and try to, you know, find support um, um, support networks as far as like now there's in Cincinnati, there's all types of places where they are intentionally trying to create spaces for people to connect and lean on each other because that is a big part of our society that's been kind of taken away just in the way that most people our age move away from their family um, and their communities and move to other cities. And so you're in other city where you don't know a whole lot of people. And so it can be hard to, like families were generally like the built-in networks that people have. Mm-hmm. And so now you have to kind of create a lot of those networks either through your work or in your community. And that can be hard, but it's definitely possible. Like I've been here for 14 years and I don't have, we don't have any family here. Um, and I have quite a few friends that I could lean on if I needed anything. And I and I have leaned on it when I needed things. What about men? What what about men? Do they how is it for them as far as asking for help or trying to trying to um how is that? Just tell me more about that. Um I'm not sure. So I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize because, you know nowadays what what is a man what is a woman kind of stuff but i think for a lot of men that i talk to um one is a lot of men tend to externalize stuff so men don't tend to get wrapped up in their emotions and their feelings as much but it's more about objective like results Mm -hmm. and so and then and so they they tend to externalize like i have to you know i gotta go to work gotta take care of my kids um and then they use a lot of objective results to determine like what their health and wealth is. Like they have to, like, I need to be a certain weight. I need to be able to bench press a certain amount of weight. I need to be able to run this many minutes or, um, instead of, um, whereas a lot of women that I've, I mean, I, I don't, I do a lot more men's health now than I used to, but women tend to be more internal. Like they do things that make them feel better. Right. Whereas men, it's not about feeling better. It's about results. That's interesting. So, uh, and, you know, there's a couple of ways you can go about it. One is you could try to encourage men to be like, well, it's not just about the numbers. It's not just about um, how much you weigh or how much you run or bench, but it's also about how you're feeling throughout the day, your mood, your you know, amount of fatigue. Uh, but also, it's also playing to your strengths. So maybe you do need those numbers. So maybe you need to start tracking like your weight. Maybe you need to start tracking how many calories you eat a day. Maybe you need to. If that's how you are motivated, then you need to play to your advantage and yeah. use those tricks to motivate yourself. So that's, uh, I mean, I for me, that's what I feel like one big advantage is, is like men are tend to be more objective. They like the the immediate like feedback. Women are more able to, you know, 
to be comfortable with the way they feel and how they navigate what's what's healthy and what's not. Yeah, I feel like for women it can go either way. I think that a lot of women kind of get to that place. I think I think initially they do start out the same way as far as like trying to get to a certain weight and that sort of stuff. So that's something I have to negotiate often with my patients. Um, but the biggest thing is women, it's hard for us to lose weight. Like there's a lot of hormonal things that happen that makes it harder to get to whatever goal weight that you're trying to get to. Um, so I think that people, a lot of women will just be like, whatever. <laughs> they get frustrated. So they, they get frustrated with trying to do that. And so a lot of them will just pivot to like, you know, how they feel and how they're functioning. Um, and so for me, I'm a geriatrician. Like that's what I feel is important too, because people talk a lot about being overweight, but people don't talk enough about being underweight. So I have quite a few, like, you know, I won't call them little old ladies, but um, just older adults who have lost weight because their app- your appetite changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm often trying to get them to gain weight and they've never, you know, the concept of a doctor telling somebody to gain weight is lost on a lot of people. A lot of people have no idea. Uh, but that's like a big part of my job. <laughs> it's a big part of my job giving people insurers. Uh, I'm trying to like t- give them, like, tell them, like, well, you used to weigh, like, you know, because some of them drop down like 100 pounds. So I'm like, well, you used to weigh, you know, maybe they've always been thin in their life. So I was like, well, you used to weigh 120 pounds. So I need you to try to, you know, put on at least 10 pounds. So mm-hmm. it's kind of kind of interesting that way where, you know, for some people they get. And that's what that's one of the biggest things I have to negotiate as people age, like when they get in their 60s and they're trying to like suddenly lose a bunch of weight. Um, I try to like negotiate that as far as knowing that in a few more years, their appetite is going to change and they may need um, that, you know, that extra weight. Um, so I'm just trying to get people to like have just basically realistic expectations of all types of stuff of all types of stuff when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I think in general, whether it's men or women, I think that part of American culture, especially as black people, is that people really have a hard time asking for help as far as like, you know, if they want to try to get in more time to exercise or meal prep or sleep. Um, people just feel like very isolated and like they have to be like superhuman and try to do everything on their own. Yeah. How do you, so how, what has your been, what has been your experience with, you know, seeing that and how do you counsel people about that? Um, I mean, I'm, I mean, I just try to counsel people about like being willing to accept that maybe they need help with stuff and then willing to like look up where those resources are to get counseling and support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I mean, it's, it's difficult. So there's a lot of people out there that are on their own. And so it is hard to find those resources to get support, um, especially if you're dealing with unusual circumstances. Um, so sometimes it's not about the support. It's like putting yourself in a different situation. And I guess that could be another talk or something later, but, um, I don't know. And sometimes it's even just to the point where you just Google stuff on your own. You like sit like so I oftentimes I in the office with people I'm working with, I literally get on the Internet, Google like support groups that mm-hmm. apply to a certain situation that we're dealing with right. with them in the office. Um, but sometimes it's hard. You have to maintain a certain amount of resources to help mm-hmm. a lot of different people. Right. For some people, you know, if they, if obviously a lot of times they come to us and ask for help. And so we, you know, try to help them navigate different things. 
Um, but the other piece that a lot of people do if they don't have like a lot of um, family or friends around is try to just control what they can control. Mm-hmm. And so like I know, um, you know, some people may have like just like a really good routine um, and they're like, you know, they could like try to just figure out how to manage your time better and try to get, you know, have it, things like better organized so that they're not wasting a lot of time. Um, and also, like, especially with children, they do really well with structure um, and having like a you know a routine bedtime um, and just different routine things like that. Um, but of course, there's so much chaos with children. So but for a lot of people, though, that's it, even though it is chaotic, still having those routines can be helpful in being able to create some of that space. Um, and then I see people, a lot of people multitask, like I know a lot of like soccer moms who um, they, you know, they work during the week and then on the weekends when they're taking their kids to games and stuff, they may like, you know, go for a walk or go run an errand um, if their kids are at practice, um, if they're at a game. And they usually sometimes they have tournaments and they, they're not playing you know, the whole time. I see people just try to figure out how to juggle all of that sort of stuff, even on their own. Um, because people like a lot of people our age are kind of going through like divorces and all types of stuff. So they may be like a single parent um, or they, you know, they, maybe they have always been a single parent. So you see people do all types of things to kind of um, to help out. And then sometimes people will do stuff like, you know, if they live away from their family, maybe their parents will come into town for like a weekend or, you know, like a sibling will come into town for a weekend um, and help. Um, and then a lot of a lot of doctors, if, you know, if they have a means, they hire a lot of help, too, um, because it's just a lot. <laughs> well, we, our job is a lot. And so people are often like, oh, well, you know, you get paid for that. But it's just like, it's still a lot. And so sometimes people just use, I tell people like, you just use whatever resources you have, whether it's money, whether it's trying to be an organized person, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, um, friends. So that's the biggest thing that people have to realize, like everybody's life and survival is going to look different because people have different things going on in their lives. But they're there can be a lot of problem solving. I think people just get really overwhelmed and kind of in that stuck place of like, how do I get to feeling better? Um, but I think that, you know, that's why sometimes it can be helpful for them to come and seek professional help from us so that we can help them, you know, just work on like one change. Like what's one thing that we can do as far as what's one thing you have control over um, or what's one resource that you have that you could utilize to help with X, Y, Z. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked some about movement. So what is, as far as like eating, um, so, you know, I was, so I didn't preface this before. Uh, I did before we got on camera. <laughs> before we press record, I said, I wanted to talk about like, you know, as far as prioritizing yourself, um, why it's important um, and why is it hard for people? And then the other big thing is just trying to give some tips about like how to fit in you know, self-care, such as movement, sleeping, and eating. Um, so we talked about movement. Um, do you have any tips, like one tip that you could give anybody about as far as like trying to fit in some kind of eating hack, self-care eating hack? Mm, I don't know about one. I mean, I, if I had to give like one tip, the one tip would be you you don't have to eat as much as you think you have to eat. So, you know, there, there's the old adage, like, obviously, calories in, calories out. Uh, it's it probably more complicated than that. Like, people have difficulty losing weight just in general for multiple reasons. But um, in general, it's, you know, in order to put on weight, you have to be 
taking in more calories than you're burning. Um, but one of the tricks is that trying to slow down how much you eat, like slow down how fast you eat. And so it doesn't actually take as much food as you might think it is to satiate yourself. And a lot of people, I think, you know, you go to McDonald's, they give you like a thousand calories in a meal. And it's like, you don't actually have to eat a thousand calories to be satiated. Like you'd be surprised how much 200 calories or 150 calories will satiate you. And so that's one of the tricks to sort of maintaining a healthy diet is just calorie restriction. So listening to your body when you're saying don't eat until you're full, just eat until you're not hungry. There's a difference between the two. Yeah. And that's one of the things. So like, um, that's just, if that was one tip, but there's obviously multiple things. Right. No, and that's and that's why they tell that's why they tell us in doctors if we can tell people like to eat more vegetables because vegetables usually like fill up you up, yeah. more. Um, so yeah, like, you know, all the stuff we tell people, you know, like people just have different things going on, but most people in America do not eat enough vegetables, and so like because our diet is just full of like meat and potatoes, like that's just how you know a lot of the a lot of the, a lot of our culture is based in carbs and meat, and. So just trying to get more vegetables in is one of the biggest things that people can work on. Um, and that'll help you like, you know, eat and that'll help you feel full sooner. Um, sometimes though, if you like, you know, like I've been, I was trying to eat like vegetarian and vegan, uh, but sometimes, sometimes it's not a lot of calories. So you might just be hungry more. So you, so you might have to eat more often. Um, so it just depends on the person, like how, how often they can eat, like depending on what kind of job you have. Um, and, but I, honestly, I do really feel better when I don't eat a lot of meat or dairy. Um, so, you know, sometimes though, like I remember when I was, when I was doing like hardcore trying to like see about, you know, how I would feel if I ate vegan, um, on purpose. But one time I went vegan, not like, because I had a stomach problem, <laughs> I couldn't tolerate meat or dairy. Um, so, you know, but I, so I didn't really notice like how I felt because I wasn't feeling well in general. So I kind of did an experiment um, to see how I would feel. And so I did feel better. I felt like less sluggish, but I work out a lot. So, you know, it's, it can be hard. You have to be really intentional about making sure you get enough calcium if you don't eat beer dairy. So I started drinking more almond milk. Um, but, you know, it's hard. And then they have like vegan cheese and all that sort of stuff, but it doesn't have like any calcium or anything like that. So there's just been a lot of interesting discussions as far as like, you know, different things to try. But the biggest thing is just like trying to figure out what works for you and um because because I, I think the biggest problem that a lot of people have is they try to eat like other people um and they don't really ever take the time to figure out like what is my body like um how should i eat personally um and because like my sister was telling me recently that her and her um younger daughter they don't eat they you know they mostly just eat like breakfast lunch and they don't eat a big dinner and so my, her other daughter came um home and she was just like why are you trying to eat in dinner and i'm just like it's interesting because i've lived in other countries like studied abroad and seen like how most other countries they don't dinner is not a big thing like lunch is a bigger meal of the day and that's another big thing that they say as far as uh but the problem is if we ate big meals and lunch a lot of people get sleepy so that's why a lot of those countries they have siesta um but if you don't have siesta um then you know that's kind of why a lot of people put more emphasis on dinner but I think that people just need more balance with it um, as far as just more balance with eating more vegetables, uh, not overeating, like you said, and just really, I, and I think the other big thing is do people do a lot of distracted eating, which can make it harder to really know when you're not hungry anymore. Yeah. So, 
All right. So as far as, you know, other treat yourself, treat yourself well, self-care tips, what about sleep? What kind of advice would you give people about sleep? Um, you need seven, eight hours. Huh? <laughs> a lot of people have no idea how much sleep you need. And they think it's okay to sleep like four hours. So it's very rare for the average human being to get by with less than seven hours of sleep. Like you might feel like you're Superman or Superwoman and you can, you've been doing it your whole life and you've been functioning on five to six hours a day. But most people need more than that. Most people need between seven and eight hours a day. Um, and uh, it makes a difference. And then if you're not getting that sleep then figuring out why you're not sleeping like that, is it sleep apnea? Do you have anxiety, PTSD? Are you not sleeping on the right mattress, you know, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of reasons why. Are you spending too much time watching television or on your computer before you go to bed? Do you drink a lot of caffeine and don't realize how much caffeine you're taking in before you go to sleep? So there's all kinds of reasons why people can't fall asleep. And, you know, the more technology we get in our lives, the more advancements, the more things we're adding into that complication of like, why am I not sleeping? Whereas like back in the day, people didn't have trouble sleeping because it was like the only thing you had in front of you was maybe a fire and you went to sleep. Right. And now we've got TVs, computers, cell phones, caffeine, alcohol, alcohol. Like it's, exercise. Some people exercise before bed too. That makes, that makes well, that's the other thing. Is, so there's everybody, there's all these standard rules of like, you shouldn't do this for you to go to sleep. But like everybody's different. Right. So some people need noise to go to sleep. Like, especially if you have like ADHD, sometimes like that white noise or whatever, it actually helps calm your brain down. Some people actually have no problem falling asleep in front of a television. Like, and some people have no problem exercising late and then that helps them go to sleep when they go to bed. So that's the other thing is like, you kind of have to, you might have to experiment with your routine of how you go to sleep at night, but you should try to have a routine. Like that's gonna make it easier for you to go to bed every night. Cause that routine, it triggers your body to be like, okay, it's gonna be time to go to bed soon. I better like, my body's like, I need to start winding down so I can go to sleep. Right, yeah. Oh yeah, that's all good. That's pretty much all I would say. Um, I mean, I think the other big thing is just talk, get professional help if you need it. Because I will tell you that like, there's all, like it's part of my review systems when I do my wellness visits. I ask people about sleep, but people rarely ever bring it up to me. Like, do people bring it up to you that they can't sleep, or is it something you ask them about? Usually, it's just I ask them about it. I'm like, usually, we talk about it in the context of I feel tired all day. And then, like, the next obvious question is, like, well, are you sleeping okay? Right. And usually, it's like, the answer is no. Right. It's, like, well, it's, it's like, it's probably why you're tired. Right. But, it's, right. but it's, it's often that people don't complain about not sleeping. They may say they're tired, or it might just be something that's in their review systems. So, it's just, it's an interesting thing, but. That would be my biggest thing is like bring it up to a professional to try to get help with it. If you are having that issue, like don't just think it's okay to sleep four hours a day, five hours a day. Like it's just a big thing. I, I think a lot of people don't realize like, so if you go to work at six o'clock in the morning and you don't go to sleep until one o'clock in the morning, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you're only getting five hours of sleep. So even if you slept that whole time, which most of us don't immediately fall asleep when we go to bed. And if you are, that means you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah. Right. Like, so that's the general, I try to tell patients like, or not patients, but people, mm-hmm. like if you go to bed, if you fall asleep immediately upon hitting the bed, that means you are regularly not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. So your body is like already ready to pass out. Mm-hmm. 
And then if you're like, if you're taking more than 15 to 20 minutes to go to sleep, there's also something else not going on. Right. Like it, the sweet spot is about 10, like 10 to 15 minutes of laying in bed. That's kind of the sweet spot of when you should be going to sleep. Like if it, you go to sleep immediately upon going to bed, you're not getting enough sleep. And then, you know, there's other things going on. If it takes you more than like 15 or 20 minutes to go to sleep. Yeah. 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 I know one of the biggest things I've talked about on here before is like the sleep and the hormones is just, is rough. <laughs> But I have all types of stuff that I've, you know, talked about for that. You can go back and I've done, uh, I think I've done two episodes um, about sleep. Talked to Dr. Chris, who's a sleep medicine doctor. And I talked to um, Dr. Manny, who is a psychiatrist who does a lot of hypnosis to help people sleep. Um, so there's all types of things that people can try. Um, but yeah, just the biggest thing is just knowing it's important and you need sleep and you need to get help if you are not sleeping. All right. So the last couple of things I want to talk about. Um, is to just kind of, you know, close out this conversation with um, just some of the things that I've seen as far as like, you know, people, we talked to some about like how, like how people kind of rationalize not taking care of themselves. And we gave some tips about like things that people could do better if they want to work on their self-care. Um, but what what has really helped you prioritize your health, like, you know, as both of us as caregivers, I'll talk about what helped me, <clears throat> but what, 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 like, you know, I think the biggest thing for a lot of people that, one of the big reasons that a lot of people don't take care of themselves is a lot of people think they're young, like a lot of, like, I have a lot of patients who are like, in their 20s, 30s, even 40s, and they're like, oh, I'll do that, you know, I'll do, I'll worry about that when I get to be 50, 60, 70 years old, I'll start taking care of myself better when I have more time, but um, but we know as caregivers, we like I'll tell people like often, a lot of people don't realize that as physicians, we've seen people younger than us die. So for us, we don't, you know, we try not to take it for granted that we're gonna live to be 67 you know, years old. 30 something year olds with heart attacks and yeah. strokes and stuff. So so in that context of you know, even though we're fairly young, we know that it's important to to take care of our bodies. Was there anything for you that was like a big wake-up call? Like I really need to take care of myself. Or was it, has it been just your experience being a doctor or has it been family? Like what has been helpful for you to prioritize your health? I mean, one is you. <laughs> um, and multiple is that one is like you telling me like you need to get your, get your life together, buddy. But the other thing too is it's like, I don't, it's not fair to you to not invest in my life to like, give as much as I can to, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. you can't like help somebody else if you're not taking care of yourself. Right. Right. And if you really love your spouse or your kids or whatever, and you want to be there with, for them as long as you can, then you have to invest time in yourself too. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's one is what motivates me is like, I don't want to die at 45 with a heart attack and you live on for another 40 years mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you can't just move on because you probably could. You'd be fine. That would be super sad, though. Like, yeah. So it wouldn't be I fair. I have, I have told you that I have expressed that though, because I, I mean, recently I had a lot of. You express that you'd be fine. You're just no, like, no, oh yeah, no. I can't wait until you no. die. I've expressed <laughs> like, to you that I don't, because I, I mean, I take care of widows who, yeah. who have been widows in their forties, and I've expressed to you like, don't do that to me. Don't leave. <laughs> So that's what that's what makes you do it. No, no. Uh, one reason, yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing is just it feels I feel better when I actually take the time to take care of myself, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm 
not doing the things I need to do to take care of myself. I feel run down. I feel tired. I feel angry, grumpy, depressed. Like, so you just feel better when you're doing the things you're supposed to do to take care of your body and your mind and stuff. So, um, yeah. Those are all good things. But what's interesting is like, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people would take care of themselves in the name of somebody else. Cause I see a lot of times, like that's one of the ways I can kind of hook in a lot of my patients. Like, well, you know, you want to be here for your kids, for your spouse, for, you know, whatever, like for us, even our potentially our uh, patients um, to be able to take care of people. Cause sometimes like, especially as doctors and caregivers, people say, I don't have time for that. Cause I have to do X, Y, Z. It's just like, well, you're not going to be around to do X, Y, Z if you don't take care of yourself. Um, so that can be a way that we can roll people in, but it's just interesting the psychology of all of it. Wow, it's like the plane analogy. Yeah, uh, you know, like the the mask drops down. It's like put your mask on first before you help somebody else put their mask on. Mm -hmm. it's like you're if you're not healthy, you're not able to. If you're not around, I can take care of yeah. other people you care about. So exactly, yeah. So, but it's hard because it's like easier said than done. So I tell people just to kind of start transitioning into like, you know, little by little, just setting more, setting more boundaries, making more space for yourself. You have um, to be a little selfish. Like you yeah. have, you have to set aside time for yourself to take care of yourself. Right. And it's hard for caregivers to do that because it seems, it feels selfish. Mm -hmm. People feel very guilty about taking care yeah. of themselves. Um, and I don't know what that's about, but I know that people, um, I don't know. I don't know why that. Same why that like I have a problem like taking days off from work. Like obviously we have sick days for a reason, and I feel guilty when I have to call off, even though I shouldn't feel guilty. Like yeah, you're not feeling well. You should probably not go to work. It's a it's a very common thing for caregivers to like feel guilty about taking care of yourself as opposed to taking care of other people or someone else. Yeah. That's why it's good to like have people around you to like help reinforce that. Um, or even just like sometimes you just have to have conversations with yourself. Cause I think that's the other big thing. Like, you know, I tell people like your brain, it's like you versus you. It's your brain versus your brain. So if you know that you're the kind of person that's prone to feeling guilty or not wanting to burden people and that sort of stuff, then you have to be intentional about like telling yourself like it's okay and having those kind of conversations yourself like oh I have to do this so that I can stay well or just like you know trying to understand your own brain and then try to figure out like how to calm yourself down because I think it's, for some people it like induces like a little bit of anxiety like what's going to happen if xyz and all that kind of stuff yeah. um so yeah well for me for me I don't know I started on this like you know health journey at a young age because my father had diabetes um he got diagnosed with diabetes when he was in his late 30s um and I was like a teenager when that happened um and so I've been kind of like I tell people like for whatever reason since a young age every year I would just set like a health goal for myself um and so you know I would like when I was when I was around that age uh stop drinking sweetened beverages I was like I'm not gonna drink sweetened beverages anymore because that's that's how my dad got diabetes so so then it was like, okay, then I had a problem with potatoes. So then I was like, okay, I'll have to, I eat too many potatoes. I need to, you know, slow down on that. Um, I got to figure out like other alternatives. So for me, that's one of the big things that I have done over the years is, you know, because of my seeing my father, you know, have to deal with a chronic illness forever, 
that kind of, you know, has made me want to prioritize myself. And the other big thing for me is I think that we really lose ourselves in jobs in America. Um, and when I got diagnosed with cancer, I was just like, you know, you, it really, like at a young age, it really hits home that if you died, like they will replace you, you know? So just having that level of understanding of it's important to give some grace to yourself and some and create some space for yourself. Um, because if you don't, who will? And then the other thing is, you know, whatever you think is so important, like the minute that you die, some somebody else is gonna have to figure out how to do that, you know. So it's just one of those things of like not letting that anxiety and that overwhelming feeling of like I have to do these things um take over to the point where you're just like in this hamster wheel that you can't get off of. Um so you have to start working on setting. So like around that age, uh, I was pretty early in my career as an attending. And so that's when I started just saying no to a lot of things, like having more boundaries and not trying to um like you know it, I had a lot of people pleasing before that. I was doing a lot of people pleasing I feel like um and so after that uh, I just started saying no, started having more boundaries and creating more space for myself and creating more, you know, just having that conversation with myself, like, you know, when you're like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, and you're just like, I just started telling myself, no, like, what you need to do is chill out, work on your wellness, because, you know, if you die tomorrow, they will replace you, so yeah. um, those kind of conversations happen with myself. Are there any other conversations you have with yourself in that regard? No. No. I don't talk to myself very much, so. You you do. <laughs> Everybody does, you know. Um, and so that's what's interesting too is you know people's internal what do they call it internal monologue. Some people's can be very negative, so that's the other thing too. Sometimes people need to get help with that as far as making sure that internal monologue is a is a, a fairly healthy one, so that you can have healthy conversations with yourself too, as far as giving yourself feedback and trying to help. You know, move yourself along. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts or words that you want to say? Um, I mean, the only thing I would say is, just when it comes to like health and well-being, I think I for a lot of my patients, I feel like there's it's all about objective stuff. About I need my weight to be this, I need my cholesterol to be this, I need my blood pressure to be this, and it's like it's more of like a holistic kind of. Mm -hmm you know, whole body care kind of thing. It's not just what the numbers are saying, but it's also how you feel and how your body's functioning. So, um, and not everybody's, per like you're not gonna be doing the right thing every day, mm -hmm. every minute of every day. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marathon, it's not like a sprint. Right. And so taking care of yourself is about the long run, not about what immediate rewards you're gonna get for mm -hmm. what you're doing today. Yeah. And I think in that regard, people should think of it in a terms of like, you know, how you have to like, you have to clean dishes or you have to drive, you know, you have to get gas. You have to do that stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. To be an adult. Yeah. Like, nobody likes taking out the trash, but you have to do it or you'll get mice in your house. Right? Like, yeah. And that's the thing that I think that a lot of people, you know, that's kind of where like, you know, for us as physicians, we, well, I was, I, I know all physicians are not this way, but for a lot of people who deal with taking care of people and seeing the consequences of not taking care of yourself, 
you know, we try to get to that place of like knowing, like having that understanding of like, I can do hard things and I have to do X, Y, Z so that I can stay well, you know? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Well, thank you for being my Valentine for the past 20, 21 years. Back to our lives. <laughs> Over half our lives. I hope that you'll continue to be my Valentine and take care of yourself and never leave me. <laughs> sure. Oh goodness. Oh, I remember that time that um was Aziz Ansari was talking on his comedy show about like how how weird it is to be married to somebody. You're like, will you stay with me forever? <laughs> it's an interesting thing but I, I think that's they say that you know a lot of people with spouses live longer or even with just with partners live longer it depends apparently For, men live longer women don't yeah men live we longer oh no <laughs> yeah well i think there are different stats it depends <laughs> it depends on it, dep it depends on uh i think for a lot of the stats are for um, I think women and children. I don't know that married women without children. I don't know that there are stats about whether or not they die sooner or not. I don't think there is a stat about it. Um, so I don't know which one it is. I don't know if it's the husband or if it's the kids or what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought I read it was like married men live longer than unmarried men, and married women don't live as long as unmarried women, but. Yeah, that is a stat, but I'm just telling you that, that but there's there's layers to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've never seen that teased out um as far as the layers of it. So it's just, but that's the, I don't know. The whole thing about it is generally when you are in, in partner, like when you when you are caregiving to a spouse or to children, it's the reason why a lot of people may die sooner is because they don't they they have a hard time balancing. You know, asking for help and take setting boundaries around different things and getting into a good routine. Um, so you know, because I wonder in other countries where they do better with that. Like, is this is the stats still the same in like Spain? You know, where people have siesta, they go to bed at a regular time. So it's sometimes hard to even know. Like, is it the marriage or is it the culture and the marriage on top of that? I don't know. But all I was all I was going to say about that was. Um, you know, I appreciate you for being my partner and um, helping, you know, we, I feel like we help each other a lot as far as being a team um, and motivating each other to work on our health and wellness. And I tell a lot of people like that's can be a, you know, like a part of, part of their wellness is having like accountability partners and people who they can share that wellness with. Because a lot of times people, when they are trying to work for wellness, they have a lot of people who like sabotage like help sabotage like whatever wellness plans they have yeah. yeah so i appreciate you for you know being on this journey with me and running marathons with me and that's like the ultimate <laughs> teamwork and <laughs> commitment i i appreciate it yeah you're welcome <laughs> all right well happy valentine's day everybody make sure you take care of yourself Treat yourself like someone you love, and we will see you soon. Happy Wellness Wednesday! Bye. You want to say bye? Goodbye.